offerings to your anointing in this house, Lord, your spirit. Thank you, Lord God, for what you've done. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're about to do in this place in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. How about we clap our hands? Let's make a joyful noise to the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the Lord. If you can, head in your Bibles to John chapter 4, verse 3. It's so wonderful to see each and every one of you. Thank you for joining with us today. And uh, it's such a pleasure to have you here. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about what the Lord is doing. I know today we've made some changes and uh, we knew it was going to be a little rocky with some of the changes, but we're excited about these changes, and, and uh, I think it flowed a lot better today, the service, and it was a blessed service so far, and I think it's going to continue to be that way as we perfect it. But man, um, you know, we just want to be efficient in everything we do, amen? If we're going to do it for the Lord, let's do it the best we can, right? Let's not cut corners or go halfway. Let's do it the best we can. You know, I've, I've got some coworkers. I don't do it, but, you know, I had some coworkers uh, at Dunkin' Donuts. They, they, uh, uh, somebody said the other day, so, well, it was just, it's just Dunkin' Donuts, you know, so they felt like they could cut a corner and not do their job right because it's just Dunkin' Donuts. It's not a big deal. Hallelujah. Well, if that's the mindset, which I'm not claiming that's a good mindset, I'm saying this isn't just the church. This is the church of the living uh, God. This is the kingdom of heaven. And uh, if we might say that about Dunkin' Donuts or wherever it is you work, uh, hallelujah, but I say this is the church of the living God. Let's give it some reverence, some respect, and let's do things efficiently. Hallelujah. I did want to just say just two quick things before I get into the sermon. We are going to be going to a a restaurant down the road from here. I'd love for you to join us. Um, We're going to go to Quesa Tequila. I felt awkward saying that on behind the pulpit, but I guess we'll go ahead and and say it. But uh, it's a a Mexican restaurant right there on US 1, just south of here. Um, I assure you it is not a bar. Hallelujah. Um, But it is. We've eaten there before. The Josephs invited us and and brought us there. We'd love for you to join us afterwards for some fellowship. Fellowship is important. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah for us to join together. So if you can make it, great. If not, we understand uh, it's short notice, but we did want to make that announcement so that if you'd like to join us, you can. Also, next Sunday, we have a guest minister coming. I'm very excited. He is my friend. He lives in northern Florida, and his name is Brother Bill Wells. He's a pastor of a church up there, and uh, and I'm excited to have him coming. We don't get to have people that far north. He's up in the panhandles, but because of general conference this week, which I hope that you're making plans to come or at least view online general conference, but um, it's in Orlando this year, so we've got all these ministers coming. I figure I got to get somebody to come and preach for us uh, while they're so close, so he's going to be coming and ministering. All right, John chapter 4 and verse 3. We're going to read a little bit here, but It says, he, Jesus, left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. 
Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sikar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. He said to her, Listen, I, I, I'm here alone. You've brought a pitcher of water. Would you give me to drink? She said to him, uh, Then saith the woman of Samaria to him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God. Oh boy, hallelujah. Do you know the gift of God here today? Praise God. If thou only knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto her, him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. I'm going to draw a sermon title from that line. The well is deep. She says, From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well? And drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Hallelujah. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Oh, praise the Lord. I'm so thankful for the reading of the word. How about we go to the Lord in prayer and ask that he speak to us and direct us here today, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, for all that you've done. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're about to do in this place. Hallelujah. We pray that, Lord God, you would pour out your spirit, that, Jesus, you would speak to us, that you would help us, Lord Jesus, to understand your will. Help us, Lord God, to know, Lord God, your plan for our lives. Oh, we thank you, Jesus, for what you're about to do. We thank you, Jesus, for your spirit that's already in this place in your presence. Bless us today. Pour out your spirit. Let that water be springing up today in our hearts and in our minds. In Jesus' name, would you clap your hands one more time to the Lord? Praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. Praise God. I had to add something to my notes real quick. Praise the Lord. A point that I wanted to make sure I communicated today. In this passage of Scripture, 
we see this woman at the well. She finds Jesus sitting there on the brim. Jesus being alone, having nothing. He didn't travel. He obviously traveled very lightly. Had nothing to draw the water with. He says to her, would you give me something to drink? He begins to notice that this woman is in the need of something. This woman is in the need of some help. He says to her, if you would have known who I am, if you would have recognized that I am the Messiah that is to come, then you would have asked of me, and I would have given you living water. Hallelujah. She got confused. She said, well, how is it that you plan on giving me this living water? You don't have any possessions to you. You obviously do not have anything to draw with. How is it that you're going to help me with water when the well is so deep? The well is so deep. That one line right there, of course, she meant in a literal sense that the Jacob's well is so deep It is impossible to get water out of it without a bucket and some rope, without something to draw it from. You couldn't bend down and put your hands in and drink it like that. You would be required to have something that could extend far enough to get the water out. I feel, though, today like this is a perfect example of what is going on in this woman's life. As she communicates that the well is deep and continuing with this mindset that Jesus offers of the well and us being a well. He says it in a positive sense, a well that through the Holy Ghost that would spring up into everlasting life. Continuing with that mindset, if we looked at this woman, we said, wow, she is a well. That is deep. She obviously had many intense and deep issues in her life. Is it okay if we get a little bit truthful and honest here today? She had many intense and deep issues. This one chapter, this one story gives us such a clarity as to who this woman was. And all of the issues that she had, many of the issues at least that she had. She was, of course, a Samaritan, which means, uh, in a sense, she was half Jew and half Gentile. She was obviously, at some point in her life, discriminated against by the Jews. She felt like it was such a wild, crazy thing that Jesus would even talk to her. That he would even acknowledge her presence. She said the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. In no way or fashion do the Jews work with Samaritans. They don't talk to Samaritans. This is true for that day, but it actually is 
Still true today, I saw online as I was preparing for this a post by somebody that talked about in Israel, in, in the, the area of Samaria, Samaria where the Samaritans live, even today in Israel, they're blocked off and it's a city that they've built walls around it because it's so secluded from Israel. They're so separated from the Jews. Because the Jews felt like they were a result of sin. Their people mixing with the Gentiles. Then you got the Samaritans. They were a lesser people. That's how the Jews thought of them. This woman was a Samaritan. She felt herself like she was a lesser of a person than the Jews. You're talking to me? Well, how dare you even speak to me? I'm very confused here because I know that I'm not the type of person you would normally talk to being a Jew. Anybody ever felt discriminated against? Looked down upon just simply because of who you are, who your parents are, maybe what color you are, maybe what type of job you've got. Hallelujah. Anybody ever felt those issues here today? Praise God. She also made note that she was a woman. And as a man, it was not appropriate for him to talk to her. She felt that, especially being a Jew who is a man, he would not even dare speak to a woman who was a Samaritan. All in all, she felt that discrimination. And it seemed from her, the way she talks, that this was a deep issue in her life. Something that she'd probably experienced many times over. And then if we consider, the Bible tells us that Jesus was there at the sixth hour. That's when the Samaritan woman came. The sixth hour meant about noontime. That is an extremely irregular time of day for a woman to visit a well alone. In those days and in that culture, the women of the city would usually go first thing in the morning as a group. They wouldn't spread it out. They would go together as a group. They would go at the very first thing in the morning. The first thing they did when they woke up, they'd go to the well. This provided them with safety in numbers. It supplied them with water for their daily activities and for their family. For her to come at 12 was very strange. For her to be alone was very strange. It has been suggested that the reason for this is because she was an outcast even from her own people. She obviously felt uncomfortable enough going with the women that she decided to wait and go later. She put her own self at risk and in danger by going at a later hour. You'd only do that if there was a reason that you wouldn't want to be around the other ladies. But of course, we know this woman had some deep issues. It had already been pointed out, or Jesus pointed out to her, her issues with men. Perhaps that's the reason why she was an outcast in Samaria. She was an outcast because she couldn't keep a husband. 
Jesus says to her, go call thy husband. She says, I have no husband. She didn't uh, care to mention that she was living with somebody outside of marriage. Jesus, though, pointed it out. He said, oh, I know. Trust me, I know. (laughs) I know you've got no husband. In fact, I know not only do you not have a husband right now, but previously you've had five husbands, and the man you're with right now is not your husband. Now, I've been married now for 10 years. I don't know how long her marriage has lasted, but I can say after 10 years to, that, to have to, to remove that and become single again would become with a lot of baggage. <laughs> it would become very, very difficult. She obviously had such a difficult time staying married. These marriages came with its own baggage. I'm not here to try to cast down anybody who's had to endure divorce or have any relationship issues, but every one of those issues are difficult and have baggage. There's a great example of this in the movie Fireproof. If you've ever been able to see it, it is a Christian-based movie about marriage, and he takes an example of salt and pepper, and he glues them together, and he tells them, okay, now pull them apart. So, well, if I do that, one or both of them are going to break. He said, that is exactly what divorce is like. Divorce is, if you've ever been divorced, I'm sure you would agree with this. If you've not been divorced, then then let's listen to those who have had that experience. It is not an easy situation. And having been divorced five times... There are some obvious deep issues there. Am I right? It is likely those marriages ended in divorce because of her own transgressions. I don't know that for sure. The Bible doesn't say. But understanding that she is currently living with somebody who is not her husband says to me that she may be a little bit more open with her sexuality. Praise God. This is heavy today, right? (laughs) I know it is. Praise God. But we're talking about this deep well, this these deep issues that this woman has. So much so to where she felt, even in that culture, I know today our culture, it's not a big deal to live with somebody and not be married with them. But in that culture, that was not, the. it was a huge deal. It was a, a big problem. It was a big issue. You would never even dream of doing something like that. You wouldn't even, uh, uh, it wouldn't even come into your mind. You would know that it would cause issues in your life. But she would ignore all of the society expectations She would ignore all of the issues that living with this man would bring, and she would decide even still to go live in his house. Maybe she had financial issues, and she couldn't afford a place of her own. So she had to find somebody that she could give herself to that could provide for her. Again, this is speculation, but you can see the deep well you can see the deep issues that she has. And I, though we're here and maybe we're beating up on this woman, I tell you, some of us also have some deep issues. 
maybe we're not in the same boat as she is, but I, I can tell you that there's things in my past, things that I've experienced that have been like a deep well. It's been something that has been carried with me everywhere that I go. And it's only been with the help of God that I've been able to lay those things aside and receive the help that I need. Amen. We're talking about deep issues. The kind of deep issues that get you kicked out of group therapy for talking too much. (laughs) The type of deep issues that even the therapist says... Well, that's a lot to unpack. (laughs) The type of deep issues that makes you nervous to get too honest with the therapist because they may put you in the hospital involuntarily. (laughs) I'm talking about some deep issues, some serious issues within our heart and our mind, things that have bothered us and continue to come and to destroy our hope and our dream. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's just simply you trying to claw your way out of poverty. Whatever it is, we all have these deep issues. The well certainly is deep. And she came in the noon of the day searching for some nourishment some relief, some help in her day. But that well, that Jacob's well, it wasn't something that she could easily go to anymore. It had been used and used and used. By stating the well is deep, she wasn't implying simply that it was deep in in uh, feet and so that the water was, was great. It was implying that the water had receded so much in the well that it would take a lot of work, a lot of patience even to get down there and to get the water to find Finding nourishment and relief has come with more and more of a cost. Even if you have your bucket, and I'm sorry, this is a painter's bucket, so it's a little messed up, but we can use our imagination. Even if you have your bucket, you see, when you first went to that well, it was real easy. You just dumped that bucket in and You got yourself a drink. It was very easy to find pleasure, an escape. Hallelujah. It was just one can, just one bottle, just one shot. It was just one website. Oh, Jesus. It was just one stolen candy bar. You took that pail and you got that nourishment. It was very easy at first. 
But as the day has gone by and as you continued to go to that well seeking more refreshment, seeking more of a relief, that well has dried up more and more. The waters have receded to the point to where you can't even find it easy anymore. You've got to go further than before in order to find some relief. You've got to take more. You've got to drink more. You've got to eat more. You've got to do whatever you can do just to find some relief relief from the baggage and the pain that's in your life. This is the natural course of seeking relief and help outside of God. In this world, if you go to it, you might find some quick relief at first, but it comes to more and more of a cost, and it gets harder and harder to find relief until you get to a point where you've destroyed your life and you've destroyed your body and you've destroyed your mind because you're trying so desperately to find some relief. Brother Victor, if you could come help me real quick. I'm not going to make you do anything crazy. I just need you to tie this rope to this. Hallelujah. You've got your pail, but even that today... It can't reach any further. So you found that you have to extend yourself more and more just to find help. You have to extend yourself further and further. It doesn't have to be crazy secure or anything like that. That's perfect. Hallelujah. What started as just an easy little swoop of the pail Now, you've got to get a rope, and you've got to go further. You've got to drop it in further. One can becomes two, becomes three, becomes four. One pack of cigarettes may have lasted you a month. Now it lasts you only a a couple weeks. Then it only lasts you one week. Then it only lasts you a couple of days until you get to a point where you can smoke a whole pack in one day. Hallelujah. That relief that you felt at first, it gets more and more dull to the point to where you have to extend that rope as far out as you possibly can just to find some amount of relief, just to find some amount of happiness, just to find some amount of help just to find some amount of pleasure Jacob's well it's estimated to be about a hundred feet deep that's how far she'd have to go that's how big of a rope and listen, that's not an easy task. It's not easy anymore just to walk over to the well. Now you got to carry your rope with you and your pail with you just to get a little bit of refreshment, just to get a little bit of relief. And then it becomes obvious to everybody, oh, look, she's going back to Jacob's well. You can tell because of the length of the rope. You can tell. She's going back to the place she'd been at so many times before because the well is deep. Don't you know the Bible says that there is pleasure in sin for a season? Hallelujah, but it's only for a season. It comes and it goes so quickly. 
And then we spend our life trying to find that pleasure again. Trying to discover that high we once felt. Trying to discover that buzz that alcohol gave us. Trying to discover those feelings that that relationship gave us. And all the while, we don't realize that our rope is just getting more and more extended. It's not working anymore. That love doesn't satisfy me the way it used to satisfy me. And that bottle doesn't satisfy me the way it used to satisfy me. Those drugs just don't do it anymore. I may get high, but it doesn't do what I want it to do. It doesn't do what I remember it doing at first. What has happened? Why has it become more and more difficult to find relief? Why has it become so difficult to to get peace in my life? Why, when I started this thing, it filled me with such joy and happiness. And now I'm left broken. Now I'm left weak. Now I'm left hopeless. Oh, but I'm thankful There was somebody that day. There was somebody sitting at the well that day. And when she brought her rope and her pail, she didn't realize that that Jewish man who would normally ignore her, she didn't know that man was going to give me the help that I've been searching for, that relief that I've been searching for, that peace that I've been searching for. And it's not going to be a well that runs dry. It's going to be a well that can't last until all my life is over with. There's a man sitting out. Oh, let me tell you something today. You may have come into this place and this wasn't what you were expecting. But let me tell you, there's a man sitting on the well who's able to take away the pail and the rope and give you exactly what you need, exactly what will give you peace and joy and help. Oh, let's talk to the Lord. Let's talk to him. Oh, And I know what you're thinking. I've heard it all before, Pastor. But this is what I know. This is what I'm used to. This is what I'm familiar with. And you're trying to tell me that if all I did was just talk to God, he'll help me with it. Are you trying to tell me, Jesus, that you're better than our fathers? Jacob built this well. Jacob built this well. Don't you know how many in my family have carried pails to this well? Don't you know how many people in my family has gone back to that same well over and over and over again? Are you saying you're better than our fathers? Don't you know my father was an alcoholic? 
Don't you know my mother? She did these things too. And look, it was okay for her. Are you trying to say that you've got some solution that our fathers didn't have? Jesus says, absolutely, I do. And I'm here to preach to you. Hallelujah. He does have something better than your father or your mother or those in your family that have gone back to that well over and over again. Jesus has something greater for you. I'm here to tell you, cast away that pail. Get rid of that bucket. Get rid of that rope. Stop going to that well. Start calling on the name of Jesus. Start calling on the name of Jesus because he will give you the help and the peace and the love and the joy that you're wanting. Oh, hallelujah. Can you see him sitting on the well? Can you see him sitting on the well? He's here today. And you may have showed up, but he's here today. He's here to show you a better way to live your life. Oh, but, Pastor, this is a family tradition. Yeah, and it's a well that runs deep. Oh, I know it's a deep well. It runs deep. But Jesus says, you don't need the pail anymore. Hallelujah. He tells her in John 4 and 13, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. You want to know why your parents frequented that well? It's because they didn't have anything else. And once they tasted it, they had to keep going back just to wet their whistle, just to find some relief. But in the end, it didn't help them. It wasn't what they needed. If you drink this water, you're going to thirst again. One drink today, you're going to be thirsty again tomorrow. Let me tell you something. It doesn't work like you want it to work. You can't just try to wean yourself off. You can't just try to say, well, I'm just going to do it a little bit. No, that well is deep. One thing becomes two things and three things and four things because you'll never meet the thirst. You'll never satisfy the hunger. It will always be there. What you got to do is you got to trade in your bucket for the well of springing water. You got to... You gotta find a new location to get your water from. You gotta find a new well to bring your bucket to because the well that you're going to, it's too deep. It's not working for you. Oh, Oh, see, there's some of you, you're, you're praying right now. You're rejoicing because you felt it. You've been to that well. You've been to that well and you've known. You felt it. It's not the answer that you thought it was. It didn't bring the relief that you need. Hallelujah. And you know that the grace of God has helped you to lay aside the pail. The grace of God has helped you to leave a well that is deep and to seek after the one who Who's able to bring true joy and true peace. Hallelujah. She says in John 4.15, 
If you could throw that up for me. Still not quite understanding fully what Jesus is saying. She says, sir, give me this water that I thirst not. Neither come hither to draw. So what she's saying here, see, originally when I read this for all my life reading this story, I thought she meant this isn't the water I came here intending to get, but this is the water I want to leave with. Now, that's not a bad mindset. That's pretty powerful, right? Because you came in here and maybe you weren't intending on getting rid of the pail, Hallelujah. You weren't intending of drinking a different type of water and satisfying your thirst a, a different way. But I pray in this altar, hallelujah, when I get finished, you'll take a gulp of that water. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Why don't you just try out of the well of living water? Why don't you just call on the name of Jesus and see? You maybe came in here and that wasn't what you were intending. But, oh, I pray you leave here having discovered a brand new source of life that is different than your father's and different than what you've known. It's a source of life that is heavenly. It's a source of life that is spiritual. It's a source of life that is powerful. Anybody know what I'm talking about here today? Hallelujah. But reading this again, go ahead and throw that back up. Reading this again. Studying it out, I realize what she actually meant is, sir, give me this water that I thirst not so that I will never have to come back to this well again. <laughs> oh, let me tell you, that's the promise Jesus gives us. If you'll seek me and you give it over to me, you'll never have to come back to that well. you never have to come back to that well to find water, to find nourishment, to find relief. No, not when God gives you that supply of water that is heavenly. You'll never have to come back. Hallelujah. You can leave your pails at home. You can leave your buckets at home. In fact, you can go ahead and destroy them. You don't need them. You don't need them. You don't need it anymore. You don't need those crutches anymore. Come on, let's be honest. That's what it was. That's what it is. It's a crutch. It's just something to, to scratch the itch. You don't need it anymore. Not when you call on the name of Jesus. Not when God fills you with the Holy Ghost. Not when God gives you the Spirit of God. You'll no longer need it. She says, give me something that'll make it to where I don't need my bucket anymore. Come on, you got to trade in your bucket. You got to trade in your bucket. That's exactly what God is here to do for you. He's here to make a trade. Give me your bucket, and I will give you the rivers of living water. Praise God. You see, the spring that he's referring to, there's two different types of wells. One of the wells, Jacob's well, is a type that the water that would come through when, when the tide was higher, it would come through and it would 
allow that water would sit there in that well. But there's also such a thing as a spring well. A spring well was different. When the water came in, it wouldn't flow out. It would just continue to build and to grow in that well. That's why it's called a spring well. It implies that that water, it's going to continue to store in that well until it springs out of the well. That's the Holy Ghost. (laughs) That's the Spirit of our God. Hallelujah. It's a spring that has an abundant flow, meaning it continually springs. It never becomes dull. Am I right? Hallelujah. Come on, I've been in this now for almost 20 years. And I can tell you, I've not had a boring day in the kingdom of God. (laughs) Some days I wish were a little more boring. Hallelujah. But I've not had a boring day living for God. Not when you do it right. If you're bored living for God, you're not doing it right. But man, when you get a hold of God and you have a prayer life and you read the Bible and you come to church and you fellowship with other believers and you worship in the altar, hallelujah, when you do all those things and you've got a mission and you go out and you preach the gospel and you talk to your family and friends, you'll never get bored again. It's an abundant flow that springs up Oh, I felt like God was saying it's like a geyser. Hallelujah. That just constantly shoots. It shoots up. It's something that will constantly be active and flowing in our life. It is an abundant flow. It is also an eternal flow. Meaning that this well, if you drink from Jacob's well, you use that pail We've already communicated it. Tomorrow you're going to be thirsty again. Your thirst will always come back. It will not satisfy. However, he says that this well, it's not only going to satisfy, and this is what we need to get, because we get so caught up with talking about heaven that we forget that Jesus wants to give us an abundance of life today. Everybody say today. Today. He says, listen, if you drink of this well, you're going to be thirsty again. But whosoever drinks of the well that I give, the water that I give shall never thirst again. Not in this life or in the next. No, this well of water, it's going to carry you through until after you've died into the next life. Oh, that's the kind of water I want. That's the kind of water I want to drink from. It is an eternal flow. Psalm 16 and 11. If you could throw that up for me. Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Do I mean that you're always going to be or have pleasure when you're living for God? Not necessarily. But it means that at the right hand of God there is always pleasure. At the right hand of God there is always joy. It's always a source of life. Hallelujah. It never runs dry. It never goes deep. No, but it's accessible only by the call of Jesus. Only by calling on the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. And this is the incredible thing. 
Jesus says to her, if you knew who I was, you would have asked of me and I would have given you rivers of living water. Hallelujah. He says, all you got to do is ask. That, that well of water, you got to work for it. You got to pay for it often. <laughs> you pay for it, if not in cash, you pay for it in your family, in your job, if you can even keep it. You got to pay for it in your attention. A lot of those things, you pay for it in brain cells. Can we be real here today? You pay for it in your reputation. There's a cost to that well. But this well that Jesus is talking about, he already paid the cost for it. And he says, there is no cost. All you got to do is ask of me. <laughs> That's it. Just ask of me. Just be honest and truthful with me. And ask of me and see if I will not pour it out upon you and bless you. God brought this to my mind. I'll tell it. I know many of you have already heard this story probably a hundred times. But I remember when I was over in New Zealand on a missions trip, I was much younger. Again, I'm young. I get it. Hallelujah. I was much younger. I was about uh, 17, maybe 18. And uh, young enough that I was wearing a Superman shirt. <laughs> I actually had a Superman shirt and a, and a sports coat over it. And that's, I was just walking around, and, and we were there. We were at a mall. We weren't doing outreach, nothing like that. It was one of our very few down times. We were just hanging out, eating at the food court, all that. A friend of mine uh, and I were walking uh, next to the mall on, on the sidewalk, and all of a sudden I start hearing, Superman! Superman! Come save me! <laughs> So I said, okay, well, I don't know what this is going to be about, but I walked over and I said, what, what can I do for you? I said, I, we need you to save us. So, well, how, I, I, you know, what do you need? So we need some drugs. So, well, I don't have any of that on me. <laughs> I said, but I've got something better than drugs that I can give you. So, oh, yeah, what's that? I start talking to him about God, start preaching to him. And, you know, there's about four or five of them. And they, you could tell they were young and they were just, uh, you know, at first they were just, they were not having any of it. They wanted drugs. They didn't want what I was giving them. But I kept talking to him and I didn't realize as we were standing there talking that the whole group it was, it was about a hundred of us on the trip. A huge group started forming behind us of our people from the trip. At some point, I turned around and I see there's probably 30 or 40 people standing behind me as I'm talking to these guys. But I just started telling them, you know, how good God is and how powerful he is and, and, and how God's able to touch them. And it's, so, oh, God's not real. That, that's not real. You, you guys are crazy and all this. I said, well, well, listen, I bet I could prove it to you. 
and say, oh, yeah, how are you going to prove it to us? And so, well, the Bible says that all you need to do is call on him. It's all you got to do. I said, so let, let me do this. If you will indulge me for a minute, and if you will just close your eyes and begin to pray, I believe that God will reveal himself to you, and you'll be touched by him, and you'll know that God is real. He said, yeah, right. I said, all right, well, let's see. He said, okay, let's, let's try it. I said, but listen, you can't play around. You got to be real. I need you to just sincerely say something to Jesus. Just, just talk to him. Said, all right, all right. I said, can I put my hand on your head? He said, no, no, no. I said, okay. <laughs> I don't have to put my hand on your head. We'll just pray. And so I turned around to the group. I said, hey, everybody, we're going to pray for this man. And he's going to pray, and we're going to believe that God's going to reveal himself to him. He said, all right. So he bowed his head, and I started praying. And he was just barely mumbling something. I saw his face just kind of with a smile. He was smiling as he was mumbling, just a smirk on his face. Then I saw that smirk slowly turn into a confused look. And then almost a disgust came over his face. He opened his eyes real big and looked at me. He stood up. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. He stood up. He turned around, and he ran away as fast as he could. I'm not telling you a lie. That's exactly what happened. I don't know exactly, but I have suspicions that God touched him in that moment <laughs> And though maybe I didn't get a chance to really preach much more to him, I believe he was haunted after that point on from the feeling of that peace and love that he felt. I believe today, that was many years ago, I believe today he's somewhere living for God because God reveals himself. All you got to do is just call on him. All you got to do is just try it out. I promise you the Lord is going to speak to you and the Lord is going to touch you. The Lord is going to bless you. Here's been my prayer today. As I was in the prayer room, I prayed. I said, God, I don't want this sermon just to be a bunch of words. You don't just need a bunch of encouragement. I said, God, give us a demonstration of what we're talking about today. I asked that if they lift their hands, would you pour out your spirit on them again? If they'll call you on you, would you touch them again with that water of living water? Oh, hallelujah. I believe it's going to happen here today. I believe it's going to happen. I'm almost finished. If we could stand to our feet. Just a few chapters later in John chapter 7. The Bible tells us in the last day, the great day of the feast. The feast is the Feast of Booths. In fact, this feast, this Jewish holiday, is beginning in just eight days from now, October 9th, or uh, praise God, seven days from now, October 9th. He's referring to, the Bible is referring to that feast. This feast had many different 
parts to it, a lot of sacrificing that was done. But one of the things that is the highlight of the Feast of Booths and Tabernacles is that it was meant to replicate the children of Israel's time in the wilderness. So for eight days, they would build huts. They would go out and they would live on the land. They would not live in their houses. They'd build little huts. That's where they would spend eight days praying, fasting, spending time with one another. They were refused their modern techniques of washing themselves and eating and cooking and all those things. It was an intense eight days, much like the 21 days of fasting we just recently came off of. The Bible says that that last day, if you can imagine, the morning becomes and the the, the sun begins to rise. Those dirty Jews begin to climb out of their huts. They've not eaten hardly anything for eight days. They've lived off the land. They've slept on the ground. The back is hurting them. (coughs) They've been lacking the conveniences that they have come to enjoy. For eight days they've gone hungry and desiring of something more. It is in that environment which Jesus stands up and cries out, meaning he yells it loudly. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. And the Feast of Booths took on a whole new meaning. Now it no longer reflected their time in the wilderness, but now it reflects their time in sin. And it reflects their time in this world. And listen, you came here almost like they did climbing out of those tents where you've known nothing but this world and nothing but sin and nothing but temporary pleasure. Let me yell out like Jesus did and say, if any man thirsts, let him come unto Jesus and drink. He that believeth on Jesus, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters. This is available to you today. Hallelujah. Verse 39. But this spake he, of the Spirit, which they that believe on Him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Again, proving the point. 
He wasn't preaching to them in that day. He's preaching to us in this day. The Holy Ghost was poured out on the day of Pentecost. We know that because they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. The Spirit was poured out on that in Acts chapter 10. We know that because the Jews heard the Gentiles speak in other tongues. The Spirit was poured out in Acts 19. We know that because the disciples of John the Baptist spoke in other tongues. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost has been poured out. And all who believe on him, out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. John 6.35 I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. This he spake concerning the Holy Ghost. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, God can fill you today. If all you've ever known is this right here, God can take it away. Hallelujah. All you got to do is call on him. All you got to do is call on him. Right now, I want to invite everybody. I would love